0: Bad word.
1: Bad word. (laughs) But it was a big word. It made me feel smart. (laughs) Welcome to Charlotte Mason Says. I'm John Schindel, here with my wife, Crystal. Join us as we read and discuss the home education series. Hey, everyone. If you ever wanted to hear Crystal and me speak live and unedited, now is your chance. We are going to be speaking at the 2019 Charlotte Mason Online Conference, which will be five days of workshops led by real moms and at least one dad who have embraced the Charlotte Mason philosophy in their own homes. This is a live online event covering topics such as getting started with Charlotte Mason, mother culture, habit training, living literature, nature studies benefits of a Charlotte Mason education, and much, much more. It's just $10 for lifetime access with tons of great information, so please click on the link in the show notes portion of your podcast player or check out the post on Facebook. It's just $10 for lifetime access with tons of great information, so please click on the link in the show notes portion of your podcast player or check out our post on Facebook.
0: So, the book that she is talking about is In Darkest England and the Way Out by William Booth. And this book was published in 1890. And it is the Salvation Army's socially conscious treatise regarding the dire situation of the impoverished lower classes in England. It was a time of great hardship for the working class people. And William Booth, the founder of Salvation Army, is, this is his attempt to publicize the desperate straits that many ordinary people found themselves in. It's a rallying cry for preventing and acting against stark poverty. He categorizes the various people who have approached their organization for assistance from the misfortunate who are out of work, those with alcohol and substance abuse problems, and petty criminals seeking to reform their ways. So those are kind of the three broad categories. And he did a mixture of personal stories and his ideas of what to happen. Although his name's on it, generally it's agreed that an investigative journalist actually wrote it and visited many of the kitchens and facilities and i'm sure talked with william booth a lot but it's more like a a ghost writer he or william booth had a ghost writer for this so that was it was published in 1890 and so this is a very recent publication this is a very on the forefront organization and mindset change for england Mm -hmm. and so it it makes perfect sense that she would be addressing this and she says it's kind of the economic side that's outside of our province but it has educational aspects which we in some measure are bound to discuss and specifically the fact that children in many homes here i don't believe it's possible for the leopard to change its spots and so she says you know hey Well, this guy brought this up into the forefront. It's the thing we're talking about Uh right now, or 10 to 15 years ago. Well,
1: and what she says here is that what the children here said today at the table and by the fireside about all such philanthropic effort will probably influence for their lives their attitude towards all philanthropic and all missionary endeavor. Yeah. So what we tell our children right now about these things is going to stick with them for the rest of their lives. If we're telling them that these people are, are drunkards and criminals now, and they can't change and they always will be, then that's a thought and an idea that our children are going to have to fight against for the rest of their natural lives. True. And so it is very important that, like she says here, it's very important that we pick a side. She says, We must be ready with a yay or an a. We must take sides because we're concerned about our children. And this is going to be a big piece of how they view helping people. Mm -hmm. So I I think that's one of the reasons that she's so interested in this. It's not – and she says it a couple of times. She's not so much interested in – the work that the Salvation Army is doing and actually changing people and changing lives.
0: In this particular scheme.
1: In this particular scheme. That's not, she was interested in children. She was a, she was a school teacher. That's where her passion was. And so it seems like she's kind of going, great. sounds like you've got a good thing going. What does it mean for me in, in my efforts, in my philanthropic efforts of helping children and helping families?
0: It's bringing that question to the forefront of society's mind. Right. Thus, she's addressing it, because that's what people are thinking about. Yep. And she says this, you know, whether or no the scheme commends itself to us for its fitness, seasonableness, and promise, one thing it did, it revealed us to ourselves, and that in an agreeable light, we found out that we do actually love our brother. And she goes on to say, you know, we see... So much suffering, and the the vast scale of it makes us go. I th- th- there's nothing. Yeah. There there's nothing we can do to fix this. It's too big. It, it's too big. And she starts talking about a little bit about what he said. We where hitherto we have helped the wretched in impossible circumstances, as opposed to helping them out of them, which I think is what general booth was working towards
1: to help them out of those help situations them out of,
0: not just not just give the person bread for the day but help them find a job help them find better places to live help them find a way to get out of needing bread every day
1: how help them form the habits of a successful life as opposed to the habits that got them into this life that they're in right now
0: yeah i thought it would be interesting to kind of look at this book in Darkest England, see where the Salvation Army has gone since then. And realized I don't know anything really about the Salvation Army. So that would be a, a massive undertaking. And that's not where I want to go.
1: No, but it would be interesting. I, I mean, I, I know that the Salvation Army still does work with people who have substance abuse issues and jail issues. And uh, the, the Salvation Army still does a lot of those things, but I, I don't know really much about them
0: so she's saying she goes uh, charlotte mason goes on to say that even the the dreariest pessimist among us concedes that general Booth's scheme may be worth trying but he says but do we believe in conversion
1: do you believe in conversion
0: this is this is where i actually pulled a a larger quote from the book can character be changed Everything turns on the condition the originator wisely puts first. This is the crux. So in the book, he divides it into parts and sections. So part two, which is deliverance, section one, he lists seven conditions by which to test the scheme that he proposes, Hmm. which are the essentials of success. And she quotes a little bit of it, but I'm going to read more. The supreme test of any scheme for benefiting humanity lies in the answer to the question, what does it make of the individual? Does it quicken his conscience? Does it soften his heart? Does it enlighten his mind? Does it, in short, make more of a true man of him, because only by such influences can he be enabled to lead a human life? Among the Denzines of darkest England, there are many who have found their way thither by defects of character, which would have under the most favorable circumstances relegated them to the same position. Hence, unless you can change their character, your labor will be lost. You may clothe the drunkard, fill his purse with gold, establish him in a well-furnished home, and in three or six or twelve months, he will once be more be on the embankment, haunted by delirium, tremains, dirty, squalid, and ragged. Hence, in all cases where the man's own character and defects constitute the reasons for his fall... That character must be changed, and that conduct altered, if any permanent beneficial results are to be attained. If he is a drunkard, he must be made sober. If idle, he must be made industrious. If criminal, he must be made honest. If impure, he must be made clean. And if he be so deep down in vice, and has been there so long that he has lost all heart and hope and power to help himself, and absolutely refuses to move, he must be inspired with hope and have created within him the ambition to rise. Otherwise, he will never get out of the horrible pit.
1: That reminds me of the statistics we have these days of people who win the lottery and how the majority of people, and I'm just going to say that without actually looking up real numbers, but the majority of people that win the lottery within a couple of years are in the same situation they were before, if not worse. Because the people that play the lottery are generally, statistically speaking, poor people. And poor people are not poor only because they don't have money. They're poor because they don't know what to do with money. It also reminds me of professional athletes who get a lot, a lot of money in a really short period of time. And then, again, statistically speaking, a lot of those professional athletes are broke. Shortly after their playing career ends because they just they don't they have no idea how to manage that much money because
0: their character wasn't changed.
1: Right. And so when their,
0: their circumstances were.
1: Yeah. And so when when he's talking about if you clothe a homeless person, if you give them a mansion to live in and food and money, well, now you have a homeless person with a bunch of stuff. So give it a minute and you're going to have a homeless person again. No. Which is why he's saying you've got to, you have to change the character of the person. So Charlotte Mason asks the question, can character actually be changed?
0: And this is where I have kind of a broad outline of the rest of the section, of the rest of the essay. The major question is, do we believe in conversion? That's the question of the age. Do we believe that a person can change? radically and she says she goes through three cons she says the laws against us based on heredity based on habit and based on unconscious cerebration then she goes through the pros the law for us there's limitations to the doctrine of heredity with habit one custom overcometh another then she adds uh, the laws for us with the potency of an idea and then, so that's that's her three cons and her three pros, they balance each other out. And then she has a kind of what next? What what do you do Spoiler alert, she does think people can change. <laughs> um, what do you do when they change? And she's got three things that or I guess two things, habits of a good life and the ease of discipline. Hmm. So that's that's kind of the the broad overarching outline that I have of the next what's that fifteen pages.
1: So she first talks about why change can't happen. Then she talks about why change can happen, and then she talks about what life should look like after change.
0: And that's kind of the arguments pro and con, like a debate style.
1: Interesting. I hadn't I hadn't stepped back and looked at the chapter as a whole like that, but that's interesting.
0: So First question Do we believe in conversion? And she goes in to define conversion a, a little bit. Wait, does she?
1: She does. She says, Is it, well, in, in the question, she kind of defines what it is. She says, Is it possible that a man can emerge altogether out of his old self and become a new creature with new aims, new thoughts, even new habits?
0: Yes, that is the question.
1: That's the question, but that's also the definition of what change is, is to emerge altogether out of your old self to become a new creature with new aims, new thoughts, and new habits.
0: And she goes back to basic Christianity. Is this able to happen for Christians?
1: And she talks about this a little bit. She says that it, it, it's a divine thing. It's a miracle. She says the recorded miracles serve as pegs for the discussion. And upon this possibility of saving of the saving of the world must hang.
0: Well, you skip. The essential miracle is the utter and immediate renovation of a human being.
1: Right. And so. she says the, the history of the church is a checkered one. The whole history of the, the Christian church is in evidence. But the, the history of the church is a checkered one. And for individual cases... We do not doubt the veracity of the details. Only nobody knows the whole truth. But she's asking it, the question. It,
0: it's interesting that that's a weird paragraph.
1: It is. I feel like she jumps around a couple of places, but roughly, I, I think she's saying that the church says that people can change. The church has a doctrine that people can change.
0: It's a it's a crucial part of becoming a. You literally are becoming a Christian.
1: Right, but the the question is: There it, are are Christians Christians because they were good people, or are Christians Christians because they were changed from an old self to a new self?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it's a valid question. It's one that Paul answers pretty clearly at some point. That the old self is removed; the new self is new.
0: How's this for verbiage? The power of the idea of Christ to attract and compel attention the indwelling of Christ, to vivify and elevate a single, debased and torpid human soul.
1: That's pretty strong language. (laughs) So it seems like she's saying that...
0: She's setting up the argument. Yeah. She's setting up the question. She's setting up what the premise is. And now she's going to go into the reasons why it can't happen. And then she's going to go into the reasons why it can. Right. Like we said. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. So heredity, we've done a lot of talking about heredity up until this point. The law of heredity being that what you're born with is what you got.
0: Quote from General Booth. We're talking about the raking's of the human cesspool. Children talking in public schools that could hardly be outdone in Sodom and Gomorrah. So it it makes me think that things are cyclical, which they are, but... You have people complaining about the obscene talk of many children in the public schools to rival Sodom and Gomorrah.
1: Those darn youths, man. So, the kids are getting out of control.
0: Things are bad now, but were they ever good? <laughs> do do the kids ever talk good in public school? <laughs>
1: Is that one of the underlying problems with the public school system?
0: Are little ones who have parents who are habitually drunk happening now?
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: again, rhetorical questions. Right. But, but we as a generation tend to think of our problems as new and different and not right. the way things always have been.
1: And in a certain sense, that's correct, especially, especially for the last hundred years where technology has been changing at a torpid rate. Nice word. Did I use it correctly? I don't know. I'll <laughs> <laughs> look it up just to make sure. Torpid. Oh, showing little enthusiasm.
0: <laughs> oh, no, Bad that's, word. that's tepid. Oh, well, spell it right.
1: Torpid. Mentally or physically inactive or lethargic.
0: <laughs> Bad word.
1: Bad word. <laughs> but it was a big word. It made me feel smart. <laughs> Uh, no, what,
0: where t- are you looking for?
1: I, I don't know. It's, it's changed at an, at an alarming rate. Technology has, has grown and grown and changed and changed so that the way that we're experiencing the problems and difficulties is different than the way that our parents experienced them. And the way that we experience them as children are different than the way that our children are going to experience them. But it's just the way that we're experiencing those difficulties. It's not that the difficulties or the problems aren't still there. Yeah, The problems just present themselves in different ways because the technology allows it to be presented differently. But they're still the same problems.
0: Yeah. So basically, childhood, children of today are the children of their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents. These are no doubt the worst, but the worst must be reckoned with first. This was interesting. She said, you know, we have to deal with these, the worst of the worst, and if we don't fully deal with them then if we let a little bit slide, then everything else will slide out too and Mm -hmm. everything we do will be ineffectual.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. I like the last paragraph that she wrote here. She says, Those of us whose attention has been fixed upon the working of the law of heredity until it appears to us to run its course, unmodified and unlimited by other laws, may well be pardoned for regarding with doubtful eye a scheme which has, for its very first condition, the regeneration of the vicious, Of the vicious by inherited propensity. She's saying, those of us who have believed in the law of heredity wholeheartedly, we can't get behind General Booth and his words that say change can happen.
0: Well, you can't get behind this first premise.
1: You can't at all, because he's saying that change can happen and must happen. And if you believe wholeheartedly in the law of heredity, change can't happen. You are who you are and you are who you were born to. So, that's it. But
0: there's education, right?
1: So <laughs> but that's we'll, not here. we'll get there. But but that's that's heredity, and that's that's the issue that heredity is facing. If you truly believe in heredity,
0: then this can't happen.
1: Then this can't happen.
0: Then this, like like he, like even Booth was saying, this is a failed cause. Right. If change cannot happen, it doesn't matter what we do in this regard.
1: And why do anything at all?
0: Law against us. Habit. So this is for the second con for the scheme, or or any scheme, Mm -hmm. and, and using Salvation Army as a specific springboard. Habit is ten natures. You'll get used to it. This is just what we do.
1: Use is second nature, we say. Habit is ten natures. Habit begins as a cobweb and ends as a cable. Oh, you'll get used to it. Whatever it is. So if you're saying that your habit is your habit and it can't change, then that's that.
0: Once again, she goes to the formation of the brain Mm -hmm. because she absolutely loves this picture. Seriously. I think this is like the fourth time that we're back on this, maybe fifth, where the cerebrum, the gray matter of the brain, changes to the habit that is exercised.
1: Makes me think that instead of a nice flowery cover for this book, it should be a picture of a brain, because I don't, I don't remember her ever talking about nice flowery pictures, but she talks about brains all the time. <laughs> so just change this to a, to a brain scan. And it'll a be CT much, scan. Yeah, ch- change change the cover of the book to a CT scan, and and it'll be much more fitting with.
0: <laughs> point point to the grooves in it. <laughs> These are habits. <laughs> Train tracks! Train tracks! Look at that! <laughs> Gosh. So she's saying, you know, it's there. It's in the brain. There's nothing you can do about it. Because the structural adaptation to the confirmed habit. What does this have to do? This won't be able to change it. Mm-hmm. So that is the way habits are against you. And then the unconscious cerebration
1: cerebration a word?
0: It is. I looked it up because I didn't know how to say it.
1: Yeah, I remember that. The working of the brain or thinking. I feel like we've read that word before.
0: Probably. She's talked about the brain a few times as we have established.
1: Have we talked about that before? I don't know.
0: <laughs> Basically, what you are accustomed to be doing, you do naturally and in your unconscious mind. She brought up, again... Coolridge dreaming up Kublai Khan, a lawyer who wrote a lucid opinion about a difficult case, the mathematician who worked out the computation in his sleep. And we talked about this a couple discussions ago. Mm-hmm.
1: I talked about it with uh, specific examples of uh, an engineering manager I had mm-hmm. who came up with solutions while he was asleep.
0: And so these point to no less than that the all-important ego must no doubt assist at the thinking of the initial thought on a given subject and yet after that first thought or two the brain and the mind manage the matter between them
1: so therefore if you are who you are your brain is always going to take over and you're never going to be able to change
0: and the thoughts so to speak think themselves Mm -hmm. and and she said not after a pendulum that swings to to fro but after a carriage that goes into new landscapes
1: ah so it just keeps running So those are the three laws against us. What was it? Heredity, habit, and unconscious cerebration. Yeah. And then we dive into the laws for us.
0: Well, and then she has this vicious imaginings is a segue. Ah. And so she's going, okay, now what about the scheme whose first, first condition is the regeneration of the vicious, not only by heredity? habit and unconscious cerebration all of those things are against us and she says oh but the last word of science and she has more and better words in store is full of hope so now we go into the things that are for us
1: yeah so limits to the doctrine of heredity she's talked about this ad nauseum at this point so we won't either we we won't really dive into it because she doesn't really hear either but Suffice it to say, she does not believe in heredity as being the end-all be-all. Education can change people.
0: and Inherent I- modifications are, it is true, transmitted, and the line between inherent and acquired modifications may not be easy to define. But there is a difference. Mm-hmm. And the child of the w- wicked may have as good a start in life, so far as birthright goes, as the child of the just.
1: So that is Heredity.
0: Where education is stronger than nature. And no human being need be given over to despair.
1: So we shot down the argument of heredity. The next is one custom overcometh another.
0: And again, we've talked about this many times. Ad nauseum. This is habit. And this is a quote from Thomas Akempis in The Imitation of Christ. Only one train of ideas can be active at one time. So basically when you start a new habit you stop doing the old habit so you're you're healing the wound that that old habit has created making a new one mhm which is this is this is interesting she says there's no conflict no contention and no persuasion secure for the new idea a weighty introduction and it will accomplish the rest for itself which as a parent of small children that i don't agree with at face value because there is a lot of conflict and contention and persuasion that goes into changing habits but yes that's me attempting a change on someone else that's also that's, you would that's me not having given that new idea a weighty introduction
1: that's also uh, and when she says weighty introduction there's only so much weight that you can give an introduction to a small child. Yeah. When their life is not literally hanging in the balance, when they've not literally watched their family, their friends, and everyone around them be pissed away by whatever it is that they're doing wrong, and now they're at the bottom of the barrel, now you give a weighty introduction to a new idea.
0: Oh, that, I was just going with any new idea. No,
1: I, I realize that, but but what she's saying is that the... The weightier the introduction of this idea, the more it can accomplish. So, yeah. so the worse your situation is, the more weighty an idea can be. I guess easier. So I, I, I don't, honestly, I don't know how weighty the ideas we can give our children are. We give them over and over again. And so the ideas we give our children take hold over time.
0: I think it goes back to the fact that they must be good primary ideas. Yeah. Good and right. Initial ideas.
1: Right. But even, even still, we've talked about with children, we, we go back to those ideas time and time again. We read on a daily basis. We, we discuss things ad nauseum. We, we mm-hmm. keep going back to the well of good ideas. We don't just say a good idea once and, and then let it be.
0: And then she goes into, actually, I thought it was a pretty interesting argument about man being born again being, yes, a miracle, but at the same time, not a miracle at all. Yeah. Because it does not take place in opposition to natural law.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: On the contrary, we find that every man carries in his physical substance the gospel of perpetual or of always possible renovation. And so nature was prepared with her response to the demand of grace, where it, – it, this was a very fascinating thing, where we're physically built to be able to change.
1: Right. We're designed that way.
0: This large quote here is from Henry V, Shakespeare. Well, before Act that – Act one, scene one.
1: Before that, that, is that the breath no sooner left the father's body? Yeah. Right at the beginning here, the many conversions in a lifetime, she says, a man may undergo this process of renovation many times in their lives. Whenever an idea strong enough to divert his thoughts from all that went before is introduced, the man becomes a new creature. So there are many, many times where in a person's life, you, you undergo that change. You undergo that renovation. So if it works on a small scale, it works on a large scale.
0: So this is talking about. Kind of more of an instantaneous, sud- uh, sudden and complete, where as soon as his father died, his sowing his wild oats stopped. Mm-hmm. I just this just brought to mind the Velveteen Rabbit, where the conversion of the Velveteen Rabbit from or into real, from from just toy to real, was a process that took time, but it was a conversion,
1: right. I talked in our last conversation about the the Netflix show, The Last Kingdom, with the King of England. Alfred. Alfred, thank you. In the show, Alfred has a son, and his son is pathetic and sows his seed in many places. And over the course of a couple large events in this boy's life, he changes from complete apathy towards his role as the future king to fully embracing it and it's two or three major events that happen in his life and then just boom he's he's a different person he went through adolescence things happened to him he's changed yeah now again it's a fictional story but but there's you know But the
0: best fiction reflects real life.
1: Yes so uh, that's that's one of the things I was thinking about when you when we were talking about this. So this quote is from?
0: Henry V, Act 1, Scene 1. So it's at the very beginning. Ah. I don't know anything about Henry V.
1: I don't either, but that's interesting that it happens at the start of it. And so this is where?
0: This is the catalyst for the story of Henry V.
1: Interesting. Well, all right. Maybe one day we can know what Henry V is all about. But until then, we'll just move on. We'll move forward from here.
0: If anyone wants to talk about Henry V, don't talk to us. (laughs) (laughs) Go somewhere else.
1: (laughs) Or if you want to talk about it, feel free to talk to us about it. Just Just know know
0: that that we can't add to the conversation. (laughs) Right. I'm just
1: going to sit there and listen and nod my head. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh.
0: Give us ten years. Mm Mm-hmm. Give us ten years, and the kids will have to have read it.
1: Yep. At which point Crystal might know about it.
0: And John by reverse osmosis. Or just osmosis.
1: Isn't reverse osmosis how you take stuff out of water?
0: Maybe. Science!
1: Okay, so continuing on.
0: (laughs) I find it fascinating. This next section, she gives a creed. She talks about the cherishing of the Father, the saving and dwelling of the Son, and the sanctifying of the Spirit. As I as I was reading that, it just it hit me like the Apostles' Creed does. She just listed them out. Hmm. I believe in this, this, this.
1: I missed that. So, habits habits can change. Is where we're at here.
0: Hope shows an ever stronger case for the regeneration of the vicious. Not only do we no longer oppress by the fear of the inheritance of this and. In- an invincible propensity to evil. But the strength of a lifelong habit may be vanquished by the power of an idea, and new habits of thought set up on the instant, and then nurtured and fostered until its ten natures to be the habit of a new life.
1: So then we move on to the potency of an idea. So, Which again,
0: we have talked about a lot. Talked
1: about ad nauseum, but she's saying that. Uh, So let's see. She said, heredity is not an issue. One custom can overcome another. And this is how one custom can overcome another is the potency of an idea.
0: So I read a book to the kids this morning called Little Toot by Hardy (sighs) Gramatke.
1: Sorry for butchering your name.
0: It's an old book.
1: Sorry to the family of him for butchering. Original
0: copyright is in 39. That was in 1939.
1: That's a couple years ago. It's almost public domain. Getting there. Almost.
0: So it's about a little tugboat who, his grandfather was a great tugboat, his father's a great tugboat, and he doesn't care. He's not. So he does figure eights in the water and got yelled at by one of the hardworking tugboats and then went and sulked. And then he saw his father up front of a tugboat and decided.
1: bum 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 bum
0: the sight of that brave, bustling work made Little Toot think. He thought harder than ever in his life, and then, all of a sudden, a great idea burst over him. He wouldn't be a silly, frivolous little tugboat anymore. He would work like the best of them. After all, wasn't he the son of Big Toot, the mightiest tug on the river? Well, he would make Big Toot proud of him. He'd show them all, Full of ambition, he started eagerly downstream. So, I, don't know, I thought it was fascinating that in a child's book, basically, quoted Charlotte Mason and her mm-hmm. thoughts on ideas. That's cool. So I had to show John this morning because I read it, and then I had to tell you guys because it's awesome.
1: All right. So the potency <laughs> of an idea. No, it, it is awesome. This is just a really long chapter.
0: We're getting we're we're getting through it. So this is the third thing for us. As it's the third thing, it's in direct opposition to the unconscious cerebration. So the thoughts that you think, think themselves, but the uh, potency of an idea.
1: The potency of an idea can... uh, I'm just going to read this. In effecting the renovation of a man, the external agent is ever an idea of such potency as to be seized upon with avidity by the mind and, therefore to make an impression upon the nervous substance of the cerebrum.
0: So the fitness of ideas included in Christianity, where every disease has a fit idea summed up in Christ. Divine aid and compassion for the neglected body. Divine love for the loneliness. Divine forgiveness in lieu of the shame of sin. Divine esteem for self-content divine goodness and beauty to call forth the passion of love and loyalty in him. The story of the cross, the lifting up, which perhaps no human soul is able to resist if it be fitly done. So if the divine idea is received, then it will be fostered and cherished by the Holy Spirit. And the man is a new creature. I'm not sure about all that theology.
1: Charlotte Mason was a Calvinist. Because, and the reason I say that, and I, I know I've said it before in jest, but the reason I say that is that the, one of the tenets of Calvinism, or Calvinistic thought, is the irresistible grace that says, once the Holy Spirit calls you, you, you will, you will respond with a yes. It might take a day, it might take an hour, it might take a year, but once the Holy Spirit has quickened your heart, you will come to Christ. And, and that's where she's, that's seemingly, that's where she's going here is that once, once this idea is given, once you've been quickened, the human, the human soul, no human soul is able to resist it. That that was my thought.
0: Therefore, conversion is possible.
1: Therefore, conversion is possible. Now, where we might differ is that that idea must come from the Holy Spirit, and it's the Holy Spirit that quickens the heart of a person. It's not my argument that's so great. It's not a person talking to another person. So, Yeah,
0: and that's where the next line, we may well believe, indeed, that conversion is so proper to the physical and spiritual constitution of the man that it is inevitable to all of us, if only the idea is summed up in Christ, be fitly introduced to the soul. That seems to put the the onus upon the argument and the presentation of that initial idea of the nature of Christ.
1: Sure. And so then I would disagree, and Sherlock Mason's not a Calvinist, Nabbit, because I, I would disagree with that. You can You can have as eloquent an argument as you want, but someone whose heart is hard will still not accept it. So... If it's the Holy Spirit we're talking about here, who is fitly introducing these ideas to the soul, then I agree on one hundred percent, because it's the job of the Holy Spirit to quicken the heart.
0: Mm-hmm. So, after that, after those three,
1: sorry, you, th- not, I, I, he, no, his my, my face my, looked like right, he was as thinking. I'm as I'm talking about this. That's that's talking about salvation, though. So that's talking about the the work of salvation in a person's life. Correct. That's not necessarily talking about changes that aren't salvation.
0: What do you mean?
1: So she's uh, so she's talking about salvation here.
0: She has the physical and the spiritual intertwined, which they should be.
1: They should be, but the physical the, the spiritual change is immediate. So, so getting into the actual doctrine of it, the physical change is immediate. That is the,
0: you mean spiritual,
1: sorry, the spiritual change is immediate. It's late. Uh, the spiritual change is immediate. That is the sanctification justification. Sorry. The spiritual change is immediate. That's the justification of your soul. The physical change is not, that's the sanctification that takes place over the rest of your life and is completed on the final day when we're brought into glory. So the two are linked, but they're also not. Because when you become a Christian, that doesn't mean that you completely stop sinning and now you live a perfect life and your physical life is perfect. And I, and she's not saying that here. So So the two are linked, the physical and the spiritual are linked, but they don't happen fully at the same time.
0: They don't happen fully at the same time, but... Physical, instantaneous change is possible as well. Yes. Is what I'm reading.
1: Yes, I would agree.
0: So now that she has given (laughs) her three cons and her three pros and fallen very firmly on the side of, yes, people can be converted physically, spiritually. The question then turns not upon the possibility of converting the most depraved, nor upon the potency of the ideas to be presented, but altogether upon the power of putting these ideas, so that a man shall recognize and seize upon the fullness of Christ as the necessary complement to the emptiness of which he is aware. That was not what I thought I was going to read.
1: No, but I, I honestly, I hadn't put that together as that being the final thought here, is that...
0: There's a God-shaped hole.
1: It, yeah, there's a God-shaped hole.
0: And we fill it with something, whether it's food, drink, drugs... Sex, foul language, uh, you name it. That hole, that emptiness, is filled, and it's supposed to be filled with the fullness of Christ. So then she goes into the two things that she puts forward as what happens next. This this moment of conversion has happened. What now? This work is not done. The sinners are exceedingly are not only sinful but diseased morbid conditions of the brain have been set up and every one of them needs individual treatment like any other sick man the disease slow of cure or for disease slow of cure a month or three months six months curative treatment is an absolute condition of success i think
1: this continually work to form those habits
0: okay this is the curative treatment right she did bring that up when she was talking about you know way back when
1: she did That, that that change is not instantaneous even if the idea that sets about that change is again the spiritual change and the physical change being linked but not happen at the same exact
0: and she's saying that this is something that needs to be happened. This this army of vigilance, which must be ever on alert so that the healing can actually happen and not be just like a band-aid that will be ripped off.
1: Right. And she says this is no work to be undertaken wholesale. The spiritual care of a multitude diseased, even physically diseased, of sin, is no light thing. And if it be not undertaken systematically and carried out efficiently, the whole scheme must of necessity fall through.
0: And that is what, back to General Booth, that's what he's proposing with his scheme, yeah. is a massive wholesale, f- full-on everything with the f- with the discipline and formation of an army. It's the Salvation Army that he he created that she puts to. On to do this for
1: people. Yeah. So it sounds like where, right at the beginning of the chapter,
0: this work is not Charlotte
1: Mason was the skeptical
0: of this. By the end of this, she seems to have worked herself around to... in these individual everyone yeah. treatment. Which I, I, I found other that she, she the kind of takes an about-face right. here. I don't, I don't, wouldn't say it's an about-face. I. I think it's, again, setting up the debate. Uh, you're, you're she's, right. she's laying forth the the issue and the problem I think this is the cons, where she doing the pros coming back to talked about the conclusion
1: when you brought up earlier needing to continually correct children so then talking and also about discipline work and the ease of discipline those habits.
0: how monarchs would right. take refuge it's not in a convent for the ease of doing the will of another, rather than she did that—that that, that
1: change is not instantaneous. Which even I thought if the idea was fascinating, that sets I would about there that are times when is, I would love to have again, someone just tell me what The spiritual change and the physical change being just, just tell me linked for but those not with strong impulse, weak will who have no time.
0: power at all to do the good they vaguely and feebly desire. Oh, the ease of being taken up into a strong and beneficent organization, having their mm-hmm. comings and their goings, their doings and their havings ordered for them.
1: Right. And she says, this is no work to be undertaken and wholesale. They the can spiritual be spiritual care like of a multitude children. diseased, and then even physically diseased, of sin is no light thing.
0: Full adulthood. And if
1: it be not That's undertaken the, the systematically, here she says, and the object carried out of family discipline of the, the obedience which has been described through.
0: as the whole duty of the child, is it not to ease the way of the child while will is yeah. weak, conscious, immature, by setting it on the habits of a good life where it is easy to go right as for a locomotive to run its lines? Yeah,
1: so, mm-hmm. so it sounds like we're at the beginning of the chapter... Charlotte Mason was skeptical well, that's, that's, at best. The idea is does the conversion. The By the end of this, she seems to have worked herself around to the uh,
0: intense now this might actually work. concentration and Which I, I, I found very about. interesting. And, that and she she kind of takes old. an about
1: face here. I don't, I
0: don't say that it's yeah. About-face. As well as the discipline and then putting in that easy uh, you're, you're right. Yeah. These poor children of larger growth. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I think you're
0: right. Also, work, giving them something to do, and fresh air. Which you see all of these like prison to farm programs starting up, and where where there it's a part of programs where they go work at a farm. Mm-hmm. It's hard work. It has to be done. You're to being depended upon to get it done, and you're outside, and it just does wonders. Again, being outside.
1: Yeah, being the guy in charge gets old. She says after a while. it's not
0: our part to examine the methods proposed by General Booth, or to adumbrate, adumbrate. I did. I don't remember what it was. So, again, she doesn't care about the specific scheme. She's using it as a springboard to talk about the power of conversion. Again, back to the whole, it would be really cool to follow through and... When we're resetting where, someone back into society, we're changing grown, their habits. And change. First, we need the curative,
1: we need the curative treatment. treatment we need the idea. Our concern is solely
0: with the children. The formation. Yeah.
1: The, the formation of the new habits. And that the ease of discipline happens while you're forming those new habits. These poor children of one difficult instance. Poor children of larger growth. Yeah. Old kids. Also, work to be accomplished in the strength of God. According to the hmm Which you see all of these. That it is our part like, to make ourselves acquainted with the laws of God. Mm-hmm. And that having done all. Inspiration of the divine life
0: Programs where even as the diligent farm. farmer waits it's upon sunshine. It has to Shower. be done. You're being depended
1: upon to get it done. And, and you're outside. outside. And it just does wonders. Yeah. Again, being outside. Being outside is good. So I don't know how much of this last paragraph I want to read to close us out. Because I think we're pretty well tapped out. Adumbrate? Did you look up that word? I'm curious. I'm going to look it up right now because I, I read it any number of times and thought to myself, man, that's an interesting word. A-D-U-M-B-R-A-T.
0: So adumbrate. Again, she doesn't care about the specific scheme. She's using it as
1: a springboard to talk about the power of conversion. To adumbrate is to report or represent in an outline. Again, back to the whole, it would be really cool to follow through. And- yeah. But as interesting as that would be that Our is solely, with the children. solely with the children and the Salvation Army as great an organization as it may or may not be. Uh, that's not her. That's not her main focus. Yeah. She's focused on children. She says the attitude of thought towards all good work, which children will henceforth take may depend very much upon how far the underlying principles are made clear to them in one typical instance. Whatever the agency, let children be assured that the work is the work of God, to be accomplished in the strength of God, according to the laws of God. That it is our part to make ourselves acquainted with the laws we would work out, and that having done all, we wait for the inspiration of the divine life, even as the diligent farmer waits upon sunshine and shower. Remember, if you're interested in hearing Crystal and me speak live, as well as hearing many, many other speakers with so much good stuff to say, please click on the link in the show notes portion of your podcast player or check out our post on Facebook. See you at the conference. Thank you for listening. Join the conversation with us on Instagram Facebook, or Twitter.